Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 91 of Thyroid Nation Radio live talk show and podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com. And I'm Tiffany Milanich of GratefulGarden.biz and Mending Medicine. And today we are celebrating our two-year anniversary. This is our anniversary anniversary show. Happy anniversary, honey. Can you believe it? It has been an amazing two years. I know. It has, and it's really really just flown by. I just, wow, I can't believe it. I know. Amazing. Two years. I can't. I know. I mean, I love that we only have 91 shows, or I say only, but, you know, as opposed to, you know, 52 (laughs) weeks, because really that just, you know, as a thyroid and adrenal patient myself, that just starts to make me anxious thinking about how many shows we could have done, and... (laughs) Every single solitary week. Oh my goodness! I think it's been good. We've, we have been able it to interview been. some amazing people. Just amazing uh, people. It's been. Oh. It's really been an extraordinary journey. I know. We are so very lucky, aren't we? Yes, and we have one of our super favorites today. Oh no, we do. We are talking with the <laughs> fabulous Dr. Aviva Rom about her newest book, Adrenal Thyroid Revolution. Da 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 da. It's good. It is a revolution. <laughs> There's enough people with it, too, to make a revolution. Oh, uh, exactly. <laughs> of course, if you've missed any of the Thyroid Nation radio podcasts, you can very easily download and listen to them at your leisure while you're running, driving, uh, whatever, uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, all kinds of places you can connect with us. Did I lose you? Are you still there? My goodness, I think I lost you. What happened? Well, we will continue until she logs back in. She must be on mute or something. I don't know. Anyways, Dr. Aviva Ram is a Yale-trained medical doctor, herbalist, midwife, speaker, and author dedicated to optimal health for women and children. Dr. Rahm is one of the nation's leaders in the field of botanical medicine and is the author of seven books on natural medicine for women and children, including the textbook Botanical Medicine for Women's Health. Her newest book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, a proven four-week program to rescue your metabolism, hormones, mind, and mood, is amazing and on sale. Now I have my own personal copy here sitting right next to me. And we are incredibly excited to have her back. Let's see. Dr. Ram is with us this morning. It looks like she is. Let's see if we can click her in. Good morning, Dr. Ram. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Hi, and please call me Aviva. I mean, oh, you can good call morning. me Dr. Ram, but that just sounds so formal, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's a due respect. I mean, you've worked so hard to Thank get that you. title, and uh, you are truly one of my absolutely all-time favorite oh, doctors. Thank you. And I'm not exactly sure what has happened uh, to Dana, but we have uh, temporarily lost her. I'm not exactly sure. I heard. Um, I'm not exactly sure why. But uh, we've never had that happen before. But she's she's calling in as the main number now that she's here in the States. So 
I normally do that, and uh, this is our second time, so I'm not, not exactly sure what's happened. But we're still rolling, so we're just going to chat until we can uh, get her back in. I, uh, well, I haven't hey, heard the from adrenals her. are all about resilience and dealing with stress in the face of the unexpected, so we're all good, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly right. And she's she's having kind of a rough morning, so oh, uh, no. I'm not sure what's happened, but it sounds like it's a connection problem. So, um, well, very good. So, welcome. How are you today? I'm sorry, what was that? Is is that? Uh, do you have a gentleman in the back? Yes, I do. You Let do. Step to <laughs> another area. <laughs> Goodness. It sounds like he might be working back there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're good. So wh- fabulous. How are you today? What's on your wonderful agenda? I I uh, read that you're. Uh, airing on Dr. Oz this afternoon, correct? I am. My day started out babysitting my grandchildren, so I got big snuggles this morning, and that was really fun. And um, today is the day my newsletter goes out, so I've been working on that. And then we have a Dr. Oz episode airing at 1 o'clock, which is really fun. So it's a good day. That is an amazing day. And tell us about this uh, this amazing book that you have that's out. I've got my copy right here, and I'm kind of in the midst of reading it, and it's just, it's amazing. So what's going on with the book? Thank you. So, yeah, it's been an amazing journey. You know, I um, spent, you know, spent my entire life working with women and working with women and hormonal issues. And, you know, of course, cortisol and insulin are also hormones. I think as women we tend to think of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone as our primary hormones. And, you know, I have to say when I was a midwife and when I went to medical school, I didn't anticipate that insulin and other hormones and cortisol were going to be so front and center in my work. But what I was seeing was woman after woman after woman in my practice and women of all ages. I mean, really even starting in their kind of mid-teen years all the way into their 70s were struggling with a constellation of symptoms that when I broke it down, whether those symptoms were in their, you know, around their menstrual cycles or around metabolism and weight gain uh, or around um, food and appetite and cravings, gut health. I mean, there's so many different areas of health that when I started to take a really deep dive into what was going on in my patients could come back to what was going on with cortisol. And a lot of us think about cortisol as a stress hormone, but really it's a survival hormone. And even more than that, it's the hormone that literally creates the regulation that orchestrates what's going on in your brain with every single cell in your body. And so whether your digestive system or your elimination system or your detoxification system or your hormonal system or your immune system or nervous system is working in harmony with the rest of your body or not, dials back entirely 100% to cortisol. So that is really where the book kind of originated, was making and sort of connecting the dots and what was going on with my patients. And then so many women were coming in with thyroid symptoms or thyroid problems. And many had spent years, I'm talking years and years, trying to figure out what was wrong with them and going to medical doctors and being told, you know, 
it's all in your head. The nice way of saying it's all in your head these days is right. stress right. or anxiety or depression or being told they were just fine because their labs looked okay, but they knew something was wrong. You know, they knew they didn't just gain 30 pounds in the last three months because they had changed their diet. Most of them hadn't. Um, they knew it wasn't just depression or anxiety. They were actually feeling fine until they, until they started noticing these changes, and maybe that's what was causing the depression and anxiety. So the book is really dedicated to women who are either struggling with symptoms and they don't know why or feel like they have a clue why, but they're being told by the conventional medical model that, hey, you're actually fine. Exercise more, eat less, and right. try, to, try to deal with your stress. And sadly, you hear that a lot, you know? Everything, I do. Everything yeah. looks good. Everything looks normal. And people can still feel just absolutely like they're dying. It's It's... You know, it's crazy. I want to read two quick things from the beginning of your book to me that were just, I hate to say it, but I, I kind of got a little weepy. <laughs> and I read them both because it really, okay, well, I'm just going to read it. It says, to all women who have felt unseen and unheard, you are not invisible and you are not alone. To all who have been told it's all in your head, it is not. And to all who have felt like you've been sleeping for too long, rise and shine. Let's move mountains together. I can't believe I made it through that. Look at me. I just caught myself at the very end without getting all blubbery. But, you know, having been one of those women, just, you know, and of course look very healthy and everyone's kind of like, what's your problem? You know, that was just, to me, you couldn't have, you couldn't have paraphrased that any better. And then on the next page, you turn it and it says, when sleeping women wake, mountains move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a Chinese proverb. And when I heard that, I got chills. I thought, wow. Well, Seriously, I my... got chills right now. I just yeah, got chills right now. Book. And and every time I said that quote to women, several people in the group like, wow, I just got chills. I don't know what it is about that. It's so primal almost. And, um, you know, I feel like... To me, it's so grievous. You know, it's just so incredibly sad. I have been very fortunate in that I started on this kind of natural living path when I was really young. I was 15. So I have walked through my life, and I'm 50 now, with a lot of skills and tools that I think have helped me sort of skirt around what could have been my fate also. But, you know, as someone who, as a midwife, you know, as a midwife, we really learn to listen to women and trust women and what women are saying are, is going on in our bodies and never dismiss that. And just listening to woman after woman after woman, I've been so struck by the comment and the feeling, just one patient said to me recently, which made me get teary, is that she said, I feel like I'm standing on the platform and I'm just watching the train go by. And it's like this feeling that I'm seeing woman after woman have that she just can't bring her gifts to the world. I mean, sometimes she's just struggling with showing up. I'm sure, you know, you guys have experienced with your own thyroid odyssey and can speak to much better than I can. It's just that women struggling with the guilt, the grief, the burden, the weight of not being able to show up sometimes for their own kids or the things they want to do, let alone the incredible beauty and power and talents that women can bring to the world that women can't when they're too tired and too overwhelmed. And so to me, more powerfully than anything, that's the revolution that this book is about, is helping you, helping women who are just tired 
to get their energy back. So they can rock it, you know, so they can really rock their own lives, but also think of, I mean, 30 million women alone we know have thyroid disease, mostly Hashimoto's, and we know that at least another half, again, don't have it and don't know it, but definitely have symptoms. And then, you know, we haven't even started to touch on the complexities of of how many women are struggling with adrenal issues that are holding them back and holding them down. So to me, the revolution is about women reclaiming their power, and you have to have the energy to do that first. But it's also about it is time for the medical establishment to sit up and kind of shut up, excuse me for saying, but sort of shut up and start listening and using their tools in the service of women. You know, I cannot tell you how many women have come into my practice who have been overtly insulted by a medical doctor when a woman said to her medical doctor, I think I might have an adrenal or thyroid problem, and who have had this comment said to them, well, where did you get your medical education, Google University? Or who are you talking to, Dr. Google? Now, there are some really, really wonderful doctors out there, but even the wonderful ones were not taught in medical school how to respond to these chronic issues. But but it's just time for this rude, condescending, patronizing behavior to stop. I mean, there are women who are struggling for five years with an autoimmune disease just to get a diagnosis. And I'm curious, I mean, did that happen to either of you? How, how long did it take you to get the answers you needed? And, you know, did you have to kind of become your own activist to do that? I definitely okay. did. Both I definitely listed, yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, hi, Dr. Rom. Uh, sorry to jump in a little bit late. <laughs> Welcome back. No worries. <laughs> thank you. Um, We're glad so, you made it. <laughs> thank you. I don't know what happened. Uh, happy anniversary. Wow. You'd think after yes, two years yes. I would have this down pat, but I don't know. Um, okay, so so I think we talked about this on the show. We had you on back in September, but I um, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's while living in Costa Rica, and they gave me the pill and I thought it was fine. And then I got worse after a year and that's when I started doing my research. And of course that's why, you know, I'm so passionate about, you know, help helping raise awareness because there's so much to know besides that, including your adrenals. And I believe that I crashed my adrenals. I mean, I like kept going and kept exercising and, and pushed myself because I thought, well, exercise is good for me. And, and, um, I just got worse and, you know, I definitely, (laughs) still have lots to learn, but I'm still on my journey. And it, it did take a long time. And I think I was probably undiagnosed for, for many years. So definitely happened to me. And your book couldn't have come at a better time uh, for <laughs> me because I had sort of this process of, you know, uh, I was uh, one of those patients who was super savvy based on, you know, reading all of the different physicians online that are that are nice enough to take the time and blog so when I went into my physician I had a list (laughs) of (laughs) blood work and said could you please draw this of course I had a history of my mom being ill and a long history of thyroid on both my mom and dad's side of the family so I said please draw all of this including antibodies so my thyroid was still holding its own but I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's uh, critically low B12, critically low vitamin D. I mean, I couldn't have been more classic. Yeah. So they said, we're going to wait and see, which took four years for my thyroid to actually fall in a treatable rain, which I wouldn't recommend for anybody. <laughs> but um, to wait and see, because that, that was a really disheartening. I'm like, wait and see what? Am I going to die? Am I, I mean, I can barely even function and I have no cognitive 
you know, I mean, I had all of the symptoms of, of hypothyroidism without technically being, you know, hypothyroid in a, in a TSH, T4, um, you know, situation. But then after I finally went on thyroid hormone and, you know, corrected my B12 and vitamin D, then um, I was still having just these, I would refer to it as crushing fatigue. So then I asked to be tested for Epstein-Barr, which, of course, my titers were sky high and yeah. I'm sure that was playing a huge role in all of that. But that was two years after uh, and still not well. And so now I've got, you know, that at bay and, and thyroid looks good. And I've gotten so much of my cognition and energy and, and, and function back. But now I'm missing uh, that, you know, creativity and motivation and, and wit and everything that I had before, which all falls uh, from, from what I understand in the adrenal gland, so I'm ready for your book, girl. <laughs> oh, yay. Well, I think that, you know, there are so many things that you say that are so rich and so important. And one is this issue of being told to wait and see. You know, I spent 25 years as a home birth midwife and an herbalist before I became a doctor. And I'm the first person to try to get people off of medications when they don't need them and to prevent people from being over-diagnosed, which is so common in the medical model. Right. I mean, we've got over-diagnosis right. left and right. So the irony is here I'm working with a condition that women are largely being under-diagnosed for. And I think this brings up an important point of gray area in medicine. You know, I was just reading an article about a month and a half ago in the, new, in the um, Journal of the American Medical Association. They, I, I, I'm really geeky, and I still read my conventional medical journals to keep up with what's going on in the medical world. And um, there was a, they have a case history in many of the issues. And this particular case history was a woman who was in her 50s, extremely fatigued, having cognitive problems, having a slow heart rate, not feeling well, constipated, losing her hair. You guys are already knowing where I'm going with this. And her TSH, her thyroid stimulating hormone, which is the number that is usually the lab that is usually checked and the one that's in the biggest controversy, was over 10. Now, according to even conventional medicine, over 5 is gives you the um, classification of, of hypothyroidism. But doctors have the discretion between 5 and over 10 to call it subclinical hypothyroidism. So here's this woman who can't get out of bed. Her hair is falling out. She's My feeling God. horrible. She's having cognitive problems. Cognitive problems are not a joke. I mean, we kind of all joke about, you know, brain fog and where did I put my keys? But cognitive problems is, is a pathway to dementia. This is a really serious issue. And um, thankfully in the article, the doctor who was writing the case decided to put the woman on thyroid medication and all of her symptoms resolved. But to me, it was just shocking that this could even be a question of whether to treat her because all the medical literature shows that women, particularly women in our 40s, 50s, and 60s, who even have a little bit of low-functioning thyroid, have much better health, much better brain health, much better heart health, much better bone health if we are treated. And this woman wasn't even a little bit under. She was glaringly over. So, you know, there's this whole issue of kind of gray area. And to me, it's a little bit like saying, well, if the water isn't boiling, then let's just ignore the fact that it's simmering and about to boil, right? If it's 210 degrees Fahrenheit, technically it's not boiling till it's 212. So come back in six months and we'll treat you when it's actually boiling. But the problem right. is there's damage being done all that time. Not only is the damage 
you're not feeling well and you have no idea what's wrong with you and now you're wondering if there's something mentally wrong with you or you can't do your life. But, you know, there's actually physical damage happening to the thyroid if your antibodies are elevated. Then we look at things like Epstein-Barr virus. I mean, most medical doctors do not even know that there's a potential connection between EDV and Hashimoto's. And that's something we, we really need to be looking at. And then the third point is that just giving a medication to replace the thyroid hormone that your body isn't producing, it can certainly help. It can make you feel a lot better. But if right. your thyroid is not functioning because of Epstein-Barr virus, or if you're also having Epstein-Barr virus, even if you are fixing thyroid function, or if you're also having problems in your adrenal system, you're going to help the thyroid symptoms, but you're not going to feel better overall, and you're not going to know why. And then usually what happens is your doctor just keeps jacking up and jacking up and jacking up your thyroid medication, but you're never getting to the root of the problem. There's so many. There's so many. I'm so, I'm so glad you were able to find that information for yourself, and really that's what well, the and it was about. really it was really me that was driving it, being driven by you know physicians that were like I said, that we're taking the time to blog. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, and and they would say, well, you really need to stay off Dr. Google. I'm like, these are your peers. These are MDs. These are not, this is not any fluffy. (laughs) So, you know, when I finally went on thyroid hormone, it did, it did relieve, you know, I would say a a healthy 75% of the symptoms, but, you know, there was still that, that nagging. And then I honestly have to tell you, I was grateful to at least have an empathetic doctor because once he drew the Epstein bar and he's standing there looking at the numbers and and when we went back for review, he said, Tiffany, I can honestly tell you I don't know what to do with this. There's not a whole lot of conventional treatment. You know, these heavy-duty antivirals can be sometimes bigger butt kickers than letting it ride out. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, okay, you know, but there were quite a few natural things that, you know, that helped me significantly. So I just, you know, you are truly one of my absolute favorite mentor docs between herbalism mm. and, and uh, we just love you. Dana and I thank are so you. excited to have you today. Well, we are. And I'm I and same, Thank you. I'm in the same position you guys are in. I mean, I'm having to keep learning as I go along, too, because like you said, I mean, for Epstein-Barr virus, the medical literature is not there. I mean, people can go on acyclovir, which helps with other viruses in the same family that EBV is in, so that's the herpes family, so it's chicken pox and, right. and um, shingles and, and uh, Epstein-Barr virus, but there's really not a lot of evidence for acyclovir for EBV, so we're still extrapolating medically and herbally, you know, there's not a lot of money in uh, people patenting herbal medicine. So <laughs> the, re- the research, you know, the research isn't always there either. So it's a lot of, um, you know, putting, putting the research together and then the real women who are saying, look, I don't want to go on these big gun medications. Right. And we know these herbs and supplements are generally safe if we're using them in these appropriate doses let's do it. And I'm learning just as much from my patients, I'm sure, and women like you as as they're learning from me. And for me, the big piece was, you know, I do have a Yale MD. The reason I went back to school was to be able to use that Yale MD as 
um, a conduit or, you know, as an amplifier so that I could use a megaphone not just to amplify my voice but to amplify the voices of the women who are saying we really need help and this is what we've learned um, and, and to be able to say, okay, as a Yale MD, I'm saying there's an importance for this so that other colleagues of mine are also saying, okay, we really need to listen. And unfortunately, medicine is an industry. There are wonderful people in that industry, but it's an industry. And it's often, it's often dollars and consumer demand that drive change. It's, it's, you know, the fact that a lot of medical doctors got interested in integrative medicine had as much to do with the fact that patients were paying billions of dollars out of pocket to non-doctors <laughs> to get their information, and the medical model said, hey, we better listen here because there's a lot of money funneling out, and we need to figure out what we're doing wrong. So, you know, creating that revolution is also women going into doctor's offices and being able to speak up, and doctors listening, and us as women really letting our providers know, look, we're going to find somebody else if you're not listening to me and not treating me with the respect of a peer, right? We should be peers. You know more about your, I may know more about the science of what's going on in your body, but you know more about your body than I do because it's your body. Oh, absolutely. Amen to that. And I I think I, I don't know if I mentioned um, on our show or not. Oh, no, I don't think this had happened or not, but I went to a well-renowned, um, you know, doctor here in town uh, because I was really excited to see a functional medicine doctor. And he basically told me that, you know, adrenal fatigue was, you know, kind of a myth. And, you know, I almost just jumped out of my seat. Um, oh my I think my husband had to like sit on top of me to get me back down. And so, of course, there was that. And, and there is that, you know, we all need to stick together and we need to, you know, be a team and, and be advocates because you, you do find that people don't get it and they don't see it and they don't understand it. And, you know, a lot of the doctors, of course, don't. And especially one of the things that um, Dr. Isabella Wentz mentioned, you know, a couple of weeks ago was that she, you can get that with adrenal issues. You can get that sense of overwhelm really easy from just the simplest things. And I wanted to jump to that, if you don't mind, because that's one of the things that happens to me all the time. You know, why is overwhelming uh, overwhelm more than a feeling? Because wow, it's, it really is kind of a big deal at my household. I feel really bad sometimes when I say to my husband, you know, yeah, no, I can't, I can't go downstairs and get the load of laundry. I'm sorry. I mean, it's like yeah. the strangest little thing. And he looks at me, you know, and I'm like, I promise I'm not crazy, you know? So can you talk to us, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, I originally actually wanted to call the book Overcoming Overwhelm because I felt like that was the biggest symptom I was really seeing in women across the board. It's like, overwhelmed and feeling like they're living stuck in the on position. They can just never turn it off. And my publisher was so funny. He said, yeah, but overwhelmed people aren't going to buy a book on overwhelm because they're too overwhelmed. I'm like, I don't think that's true, <laughs> but I think it's huge. I think there are a few things going on. So this idea that overwhelm is more than a feeling um, is something I talk about in the book. And that's because when we think of overwhelm, we think of the emotional aspect of, like, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't handle it anymore. I just can't do one more thing. I, you know, I just can't push any harder because we all have so much on our plates. But there's a lot of unseen, and that's, like, very legitimate. And it's a big piece of what I talk about in the book. Because there's also a lot of self-imposed overwhelm that we as women cling to. And we can talk about that if you want. But there's a lot of unseen overwhelm going on. If you think about what's going on in your gut, most of us have had 
30 rounds of antibiotics by the time we're 30 years old. So mm. 20 rounds by the time we're 18, and then another 10 rounds. And so our gut gets overwhelmed, and our microbiome gets overwhelmed, and it gets overwhelmed to the point where it can't do the work of elimination as well as it should, and it can't do the work of extracting nutrition from our food or protecting our gut lining so that we end up with a problem called binky gut, which causes inflammation and has been associated with autoimmunity. Our immune systems get overwhelmed by the fact that we're running on overdrive and we're fatigued and we're living on either too much or too little cortisol. Our um, detoxification systems get overwhelmed by the over 80,000 chemicals circulating in our environment that we were never evolutionarily prepared to deal with. We, we, We spent millions of years evolving And then all of a sudden in the last 60 years, there's 80,000 new chemicals to deal with. On top of the fact that so many of us are so busy that we're skipping meals, we're skimping on our vegetables, and our vegetables and fruits as well contain a whole array, not just of nutrients that our bodies need for detoxification, but what are called phytochemicals, very specific chemicals that help boost our detoxification systems so that we can keep up with those environmental chemicals that we're exposed to and also the chemicals that our bodies are just naturally producing and trying to break down and eliminate. So what happens with all of that overwhelm is that our, the emotional all the way to the detoxification, every level of it, our brain perceives that as something going wrong. Danger Will Robinson, you know, and our brain... <laughs> Our brain. Do you have to be be old enough to get that reference? I totally got it. I think so. Yeah, we we get it. So that was from a TV show from the 1970s. If you guys who are listening don't know, called Lost in Space, and there was a robot that protected the geeky science kid, and the robot would say, "Warning or danger, Will Robinson." Danger, 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 Will Robinson. So your brain is like that surveillance system that's there to look out for you, and your brain picks up on danger both externally and internally. So any chronic inflammation, excess production of inflammatory um, response systems. And um, I'm sorry if there's noise in the background. I escaped my grandchildren by coming to a cafe thinking it would be quieter than my grandchildren (laughs) in the background. So I apologize for any background noise. But, um, yeah, so what happens is this brain surveillance system turns on a natural protective defense system in your body, and that's also in your brain all the way extending down to your adrenals. So it starts in your brain in the hypothalamus, goes down to your pituitary, and ends up triggering your adrenal glands to produce higher levels of cortisol and adrenaline. And When you're under the influence of cortisol and adrenaline, initially you actually feel really stimulated and activated and ready to fight or run. You know, it's a fight-or-flight response. Your brain gets really highly primed and alert and aware. All these really fabulous things happen in your body to protect you from danger. But when you are under the exposure of that stimulation all the time, you actually start to get overstimulated irritated, and eventually exhausted. And when you're in that overstimulated place all the time, you can feel really overwhelmed. It just feels like too much is coming at you at once. And there's another thing that happens, both with cortisol and the way we live our lives, and that's a phenomenon called willpower fatigue. When you are keeping it together 
all day long. You're showing up for your job. You're showing up for your kids. You're showing up for your parents. You're showing up for your best friend. You're kind of showing up for the entire the rest of the world. The only place that your brain gives you permission sort of unconsciously to say, screw it, I'm not showing up, is guess where? For yourself. And on top of that, when you're exposed to cortisol too much day in and day out, and then when you cross over into the never-never land of now you have depleted your body's desire to produce all that cortisol, your body's trying to protect you from overproducing cortisol because cortisol is called the wear and tear hormone. Over time, that those protective benefits backfire you start to gain weight, you start to wear down your muscle, you start to wear down your bones, you also start to wear down your willpower. One of the things that happens from production of overproduction or chronic continual production of cortisol is that the frontal part of your brain, your frontal cortex, where your executive function is hanging out and doing its work, actually starts to get rewired so that you cannot use your willpower as well. So you want to go fold the laundry, or maybe not. But, you know, you know you should go fold the laundry. <laughs> but your, your willpower is saying, you know what, I, I can't do this. And it's not that you're not in – it's not that you're like a weak person who doesn't have good control of their willpower. It's that you literally physiologically can't get control of your willpower. Yes, right, and, right. you know, weird, weirdly – you know, when we, when we think about Hashimoto's and we think about adrenal problems, I think as women we tend to think our bodies are failing us or what's wrong with us. Why does my body not work as well as her body? What's going on with me that I can't handle it? But really it's your body trying to protect you. And the way your body's trying to protect you is to say, yep, right, nope, we're not going to let you get up and do the laundry. In fact, we're not even going to let you get out of bed right now because right. you have to, re- you know, you have to rest. And that is not my grandchild. That is someone else's child. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, you know, if you think about your car, right, we all have an empty line on our car. And a lot of us drive our car thinking, you know what, I know I have a reserve tank, so I can still go another 30 miles. So, yeah, I'll get gas in a little while. But we actually do know that at some point we have to put gas in the car because the car will actually stop working. It will not turn on or it will just stop in the middle of the road. So we know to put, you know, we may let it get below empty, but we know to not let it get too far above empty because none of us wants to be sitting by the side of the road waiting for a tow truck. But we do not do the same thing with our body. We know when we're hitting the empty line. We know. We feel it. We know when we've said yes to something we should say no to. We know when we've been pushing it too hard for too long, but we just keep doing it because unlike our car, our bodies can go for a really long time and then we, then we are by the side of the road waiting for AAA to, you know, call us out of bed when it's crash. too late. So exactly, right. we crash. And, uh, and, and for some women, I would actually say for most women in my practice who come in with either an, what they call adrenal fatigue, what we commonly call adrenal fatigue, or Hashimoto's or another autoimmune condition, you know, I would say probably eight or nine out of ten, most of them, have had a period of months or even a couple of years where they were under extreme stress and they were pushing past it, and then they got sick. So even women who are coming in with EBV or other triggers, it was often a long history of something, not always. I mean, sometimes those infections do come out of nowhere, or sometimes, you know, we have 
toxin exposure from the environment that we didn't know was going on and we actually did feel okay. But that's not the usual story I hear. I know, right? We both did that at the same time. (laughs) And I just know that you're sitting over there cringing every time those people in the background are making noise. It's totally fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) No problem. We appreciate you running around trying to find quiet so very much. But, you know, really quick before we get into, I know Tiffany has a couple of really good questions she wants to get to. I want to bring in um, a favorite of ours who's calling in to uh, say a special hello for us. So let me do that really quick. Hello? Hi. How are you all? Hi. Mary Showman. We still know that voice. Yes, we do. How are you? I'm so excited. Mary, I've wanted to connect with you and meet with you forever, so hello. Well, I I had to call in because I am one of your, your biggest fans. I don't know if you have if you if you know you have a fangirl club, but Dana no, and Tiffany I am and I, so honored. Thank you. We are I the charter workers. Yes. So I, I I wanted to um first of all congratulate Tiffany and Dana on Two years, because aren't we around the anniversary or even right? We right are. Now, Hannah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, I'm so excited. This show has always been an amazing resource for the patient community and an opportunity to get some of the top minds like Dr. Rom uh, to be able to share their, their wealth of information. So congratulations on two years. And um, congratulations on the new book, Dr. Rom. I can't wait Thank to read you, it. Mary. And I'd love to. I want to review it and be able to get the word out to people because this sounds like really valuable information. So I just I wanted to say those two things. And I actually did have a question today, if I could, for Dr. Rum. Sure. Um, and I'm kind of going public right now. Dana, Dana knows the news, but I haven't let my um, reader community know yet. Um, just a few weeks ago, I um, was, you know, really shockingly diagnosed with type one late onset diabetes. And I'm 55 years old. I have, I have a history of Hashimoto's disease and it's been well controlled for years and um, out of nowhere, except that it was following a period of very intense stress. My son was um, very ill in the hospital and I was concerned that he might not even make it. And I spent mm. a month on a, on a couch sleeping in the hospital with him um, a couple days after he got out of the hospital, all of a sudden I wasn't feeling good, went into the urgent care, and I was in diabetic ketoacidosis. Mm. And subsequent to this, you know, I've, I've gotten many different opinions, and I'm interested in yours because the conventional endocrinologist said, well, it just happens occasionally with the autoimmune disease that we see the late onset type 1 show up in somebody that has that autoimmune history. But I've also talked with a more holistic nutritionist who said that she thinks, because I do have Epstein-Barr virus in my system and it flares up periodically, she thinks that the stress allowed my body to have a viral attack on my pancreas and that if I clear the viruses out, I may be able to go into a remission from the type 1 diabetes. So I wanted to see if you had any thoughts about the mechanisms that would bring on such a rapid onset of a of another autoimmune disease in someone who already has a pre-existing autoimmune disease. And if you think there's any merit to the theory that the viral attack uh, might be the cause and might actually be a resolvable uh, process for me. 
Well, I'm, first of all, I'm so sorry your son was so sick, and I'm glad he is well. And uh, as as I think those of us who are moms know, there's that expression, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. And I think when something is going on with our children, the uh, at that magnitude, the stress on our body, I think, is so much more than we even realize. And then you're in the hospital eating hospital food and stressed and not sleeping. So I would say um, your uh, your endocrinologist is correct and the nutritionist or functional practitioner you saw is correct and it's a, I'm, gl- I'm glad you bring up this point although I'm not glad you had to bring it up because of personal reasons you know, I get a lot of people writing to me and saying is your book relevant for me I had graves and I had my thyroid removed or I had you know complete thyroid ablation is it still relevant and I think your your story is so important because even when the thyroid is treated, if we're not, if we're just treating with um, uh, thyroid hormone replacement and not really getting to the root causes, those same root causes can take root anywhere in your body. And there's mm-hmm. a bit, there's a strong association between women who have Hashimoto's later developing another autoimmune disease. So it's very very common actually. And late onset type 1 diabetes is uh, increasingly common in our society in general, and certainly you, you were more at risk. And true also, so it's, I would say it's all true, true, and related. Um, Epstein-Barr virus is, like herpes virus, it's in that same family, is activated under periods of stress, and you were under an extreme period of stress. And yes, it has been associated with a number of autoimmune conditions. So I would not forego appropriate insulin and medication treatment while you are working on the EDV and getting your immune system back in order because you definitely don't want to go into ketoacidosis again or cause further damage. And, um, you know, like with thyroid hormone, some women are able to reverse the underlying cause and go off of it completely some women, once they have the damage, need to stay on thyroid replacement. And similarly, sometimes once you have the damage to the pancreas, you do mm-hmm. need to stay on some insulin replacement and support. But there are those women, I'm sure you've seen this in your work, who actually do reverse autoimmune or put it fully into remission where they don't need that. So I would say don't give up on that being a definite possibility that the EBV was a trigger. Um, you know, follow the conventional... Um, appropriate treatment so you're not putting yourself at risk or causing damage and then give it time because it can take you know just like with reversing thyroid antibodies it can take months or a year or more to get that pancreas happy and healthy and and feeling like it can do its work again great well thank you so much because that confirms sort of where where I've come to in my thinking about this in that yes of course just like anyone if your thyroid is really shut down or in my case the pancreas is really struggling to to do its job I do need to protect myself by bringing in some outside hormone in my case the insulin but um, I I am going at it full throttle from the other direction as well looking at those underlying causes and trying to see if I can get at that and clear it out and potentially get my immune system back on track so um, I'll yeah. keep everybody posted on the progress because I'm hoping that I'm going to be a turnaround and that I may be able to say, hey, look, I beat type 1 diabetes. That would be pretty exciting. It would be, it would be really I mean, wonderful. It's, it's happened. You know, I, I hope that you're able to uh, 
really kind of, you know, be patient with yourself. It sounds like you've been through a hell of a lot recently. My goodness, I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been a tough situation, but um, my son's doing better, and I am starting to get the hang of this type 1 diabetes process and keeping my blood sugar really controlled and eating very well and not, by, by the way, not following the American Diabetes Association eating guidelines. No, please don't. Oh, my goodness. I know. That I can it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that part I can case, speak to. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, I want to let you guys get back to the conversation, and I just, again, wanted to say congrats to Dana and Tiffany and to you, Dr. Rom, on the new book, and this has been a great show, and I'm going to keep listening. So um, I hope you have a great rest of the show, and thanks again. It's been really valuable to hear all this information. Mm, thank, thank you, Mary. Thank you so much, Mary. Okay. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, my goodness. I can't even Not imagine cool. what she has been through. I'm so yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Ooh. I know. I know. I know. Woo, that was fun. Interesting. I love that. Well, oh, I, that I think it takes an incredible amount of courage, too. I think that um, for those of us who people look up to as, you know, we've got the answers for solving these problems, it takes so much courage to admit and be public about when something isn't going well. And I think that's it's so powerful, and I also think it's so important. You know, I, I, I know people in the health and wellness space, you know, they're writing blogs about their, you know, how to get better sleep while they're taking Xanax for their sleep problems or, you know what I mean? And it's, it's that lack of authenticity, <laughs> I think it's so unfair to um, folks who really want to make a change because it, it sets unrealistic, uh, magical expectations instead of being real women in real bodies with real struggles looking for real solutions. So I, I really honor Mary for for being public about that too. I know. Okay, so back to back to us really quick. Tiffany, you had some things you wanted to ask her about. Why don't we jump right back in where we were? Oh, I did. Okay, so when you were um, explaining, uh, it brought me back to your hungry ghost story. You know, I've got my, my own hungry ghost that sort of drives this adrenal fatigue, you know, which I drive in myself. Um, you know, just that constant insecurity of finances and whatever, you know, that kind of drives me into the ground. And I know yeah. that we've talked about hungry ghosts. So so what is a hungry ghost and, and about your own hungry ghost? We would love to hear your story and yeah. how you came up with that. So it kind of fell out of my mouth one day, and I didn't actually <laughs> know it was a real term. I mean, I must have heard it somewhere because it was clearly circulating in my psyche, but I was in my office, in my medical practice, seeing this incredible woman, and I write about her in the book, Marnie, and um, she was in her late 50s, early 60s at the time, she was about 58 at the time, maybe 61, I'm, I'm forgetting right at the minute, but um, she was a first generation born to parents who had escaped atrocities in Europe and had to start over here. She was the oldest of a bunch of kids and spent her entire childhood and then into her entire adult life, like as long as she could remember, with this attitude, I am never going to be poor and I am going to do everything it takes to get out of poverty. She changed her accent. You know, she had kind of a New Yorkish accent. She worked really hard, put herself through school so she could go to college, worked two jobs and was going to college, on and on and on, um, really, really pushing 
And by the time I saw her, I mean, the woman had a body like Madonna because she was working out two hours a day with a personal trainer, six days a week, running a successful business, has grown children, you know, was flying all over the country to take care of her grandkids whenever her kids needed her, Um, you know, healthy, successful, long-term marriage, and just pushing herself all the time, truly believing that if she ever stopped, everything would fall apart. Like she'd be back in poverty. Like this was a very uh, real negative fantasy for her that this would happen if she stopped. And I was in my office with her and I looked her at her and I said, you know, I feel like you're feeding these hungry ghosts that you think are chasing you, but they're not actually chasing you anymore. Wow. You're safe. You're safe. And she's like, oh. she just kind of stopped and looked at me and, you know, tears <laughs> came in her eyes. I said, I think you need permission to pause. And this was maybe about five years ago. And I saw her, last time I saw her was about maybe six, eight months ago. And she said, you know, that was like kind of a, a real talking to. You know, that was sort of a can of whoop-ass of Eva that you handed me there. Mm-hmm. And she said, I really I really needed to listen to it. And I did. And I, she changed her life. And I, I later on um, that night went home and I was like, huh, where did that come from? And it turns out that hungry ghosts is a Buddhist term for inner ghosts that we feel are chasing us, but no matter how much we feed them, they're never satisfied. And what I found in my patient, Marini, she had Hashimoto's. She actually had trouble gaining weight. So many people have trouble losing weight, but she had trouble gaining weight and holding on to weight. She had her cortisol was completely dysregulated. She had sleep problems, a lot of issues, digestive problems. When I got home and I saw that term about hungry ghosts, It actually is also used for addiction. It's a term that's used in kind of the alternative addiction world to describe these things that are chasing us or these things that we think we're chasing us and we keep feeding them but can never be satisfied. And that night was a real wake-up call for me because I thought, you know what? I'm doing the exact same thing. I just haven't had to pay the price with symptoms yet. So it was like a cautionary tale for me. So my backstory in a nutshell is that I grew up in very low-income housing in New York City, a single mom. And so for me, my ability to get out of my home, which I moved out of my house at 15. I was accepted to college at 14 years old. And it was by being smart and knowing how to read what adults wanted and being able to sort of give them that intellectually. So For me, I was in a survival pattern of always using achievement and accomplishment to get safe and keep me safe. And so for me, the way it was manifesting in my life is I was always saying yes to more and more things, always feeling like I had to do more, be more, achieve more, be the best at everything I did. And I truly had that same kind of fantasy that if I were to stop and just read a book or watch a movie or watch a TV show, um, that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing and that it was all going to fall apart. And so I had to really look at my own life and walk my own talk and learn to hit my own pause button. And when I did that, it was like all this, um, you ever been in an electrical storm and all the power goes out in your house and you didn't really realize how noisy your refrigerator was and the electricity was (laughs) totally quiet? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it was like once I hit that pause button for myself, I realized that what I thought was drive and ambition was actually anxiety and that was creating discontent and unrest And it was causing me to be in overwhelm all the time. And I was staying up too late to finish projects that I needed to do. I was working 
all weekend to, you know, finish this next talk. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. I was doing too much, and I didn't have to anymore, right? I had already achieved that level of both inner accomplishment and security in my world, but like my patient Marnie, was never stopping. And I realized that for me, I was still healthy, but I was young enough to sort of still be living on that resilience that we all have, but I didn't want it to burn out. So I really learned at that point to hit the pause button. But, you know, there are so many things in the world, like those 80,000 chemicals that I talked about in our environment. I mean, we have some control over those, right? We can eat more organic, healthier choices. We can use more natural cosmetics. But the environment's the environment. We can't necessarily not be exposed to air pollution, right? We can just do our best. But we can actually turn down the internal pollution, if you will, that we're causing ourselves, like our own thought pollution, our own I'm never doing enough, I'm not good enough, I have to please everybody, all these ways that we drive ourselves into overwhelm that we can start to not do anymore and let ourselves have a bit of a reset so that we have a little bit more capacity to handle the things that we have less control over. You know, it's it's interesting that you bring all of this up and all the, you know, hungry ghosts and things. And I think sometimes your body's smarter than than we give it credit for because for sure. I did I did like a year or two of pause when I got to Costa Rica. I was so go 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 and I had so much have had so much stress with my son and I needed to just I mean like like stare out into the abyss for a year yeah. or two even really and I you know people would say you know why aren't you doing anything and why aren't you busy and I never really had any good excuses and I shouldn't have had to have any you know that whole importance of everybody's supposed to be, be being busy here in the states that we have yeah. this kind of unsaid rule which I absolutely hate they don't have that in Costa Rica it was all Puerto Vida and I was just in this zombie zone and I think my body was just like okay this is it this is your pause you're doing it whether you like it or not hmm. yeah I mean and unfortunately like when we look at some of the statistics it's actually kind of scary I mean the number of accidents or mistakes that people make in high stakes jobs just because we're not hitting the pause button I mean in some ways um it's it's really quite devastating. And when we look at the statistics on work and productivity, interestingly, hitting the pause button makes us better at everything we do. But you're so right. I mean, what is valued in this culture is not health. It's accomplishment and your status mm-hmm. and your achievement and your car and your money and where your kids are going to school. And it's um, I think it's driving a lot of people into the ground. That's it a is. hungry ghost in of itself. Yes, also it is. a vital hungry ghost, you know. It, that's so, that is so true. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about that, you know, um, the pause button and, and how the circadian rhythm and the circadian reset apply to that and the adrenal and the thyroid. Yeah, so it's a really beautiful kind of orchestrated system. If you think about us as human beings, we have evolved on the planet over millions of years. And our core, um, our core hardwiring, if you will, the way our brain and body, not that they're separated, but the way our cells all work in harmony, is that organs in our brain are wired, they are programmed to be in sync with 24-hour rhythms, which is the rhythm of the, it's the cycle of the planet rotating around 
the sun. And so there's light and there's dark. And our bodies are set to do certain functions in the light period and do other functions in the dark period of the day and night. But we've kind of overridden those natural cycles with our 24-7 exposure to blue light, for example. You know, we're on our computers the minute we are texting, the minute we wake up in the morning till the minute we go to bed at night, which is often too late. We're not letting basic rhythms still dictate how our body's processes are working. Cortisol, interestingly, is the hormonal harmonizer that connects the hypothalamus, which is where, and the pituitary, basically, which is where your body's awareness of that 24-hour rhythm primitively resides with every single cell in your body, except your red blood cells. Every other cell in your body is waiting for cortisol signals to know what time of day it is and what it should be doing. Cortisol is naturally supposed to be high in the morning, and then it starts to decrease throughout the evening to where it's lowest around a couple of hours after we've gone to bed, at which time it picks back up again. When cortisol is elevated, melatonin is low. When cortisol goes down, melatonin goes up. Cortisol actually suppresses melatonin. Melatonin we think of as for sleep, but melatonin is really the hormone that is also a neurotransmitter that's responsible for detoxification. So it's detoxifying in your brain. It's detoxifying in your body. So when we're suppressing melatonin by having cortisol that's jacked up because we're go, 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 go all day, we're actually... um, preventing our body from doing its normal detoxification, which is really significant if you think about your brain health and your cellular health. But cortisol is also dictating, for example, Mary brought up her pancreas. Cortisol dictates when and how much insulin your pancreas is releasing. Cortisol dictates various different cells in the immune system. So certain cells in your immune system are more active during the day other cells in your immune system are more active at night. And cortisol is telling those cells which ones should be active at different times of day. So, you know, the kind of the beat goes on with cortisol. And when cortisol is disrupted, every other aspect, digestion, immunity, your hormonal system, your nervous system become out of sync with that master gland in the brain that's in sync with the rest of what's going on in the natural world. So one of the most important and simplest in many ways, in other ways hardest, because we're also keyed into this 24-7 lifestyle, is to actually sort of become a social resistor to saying I'm going to give my health and my life over to the altar of the 24-7 accomplishment-oriented way that our world works and say, you know what, I have a right to get up at a reasonable hour and start my day at a healthy pace. I have a right to take a few breaks during the day. We have these cycles that happen every 90 to 120 minutes where the parasympathetic nervous system tries to kick back up that rest and digest and detox part of our body is starting to get active and to eat rhythmically and regularly. You know, we know that Americans are now eating one out of uh, one meal out of every five days in their car behind the dashboard. And then, you know, how many meals a week are we eating oh my goodness. At, at, our, at our keyboard, right? So we're basically eating a cat keyboard dashboard diet. And um, so how do we sort of say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm a human being. I have a right to some normal cycles in my life. I have a right to rest as much as I have a right to be productive. And 
that is just starting to get in harmony with those circadian rhythms. It's really creating some rhythmicity, again, reclaiming rhythmicity to life. Um, and that in itself can truly and literally reset so much of the other dysfunction in our body. Oh, my goodness. i got to ask you, just to, for the listeners, uh, Aviva, what does that do to digestion and the human body, this, this fast food mentality? It doesn't even mean you have to go through a drive-thru. Just, you know, even if yeah. you brought a healthy sandwich with you or a healthy whatever and you eat it like that, what, what does that do to us? I mean, it, it's, there's so many layers, right? We know, for example, that even just a week of having artificial sweeteners can affect thyroid function. We know that artificial sweeteners can cause leaky gut. We know that sugar can tamp down your immune response. I mean, sort of the list goes on of all the ways that fast food affects our health on every level. Um, We know that it can affect our brain wiring and affect our moods. So, you know, it's really just getting back to basics with food. I love what Michael Pollan said, eat real food, mostly plants, and not too much. Um, It's such a core tenet of just getting, really, I think it is not to romanticize natural living or romanticize, you know, the days of yore, but to reclaim some rhythm in our food, reclaim eating healthy, reclaim cooking more of our food in our kitchen and taking with it, taking it with us in thermoses and lunchbox and paper bags. Um, th- just going back to that simplicity, it, it's really about telling your brain, which tells your entire adrenal thyroid system, that you're safe. It's okay. There's time to breathe. There's room here to breathe. There's enough food so you don't have to go into famine mode and start holding on to every calorie and turn down metabolism. So just getting a little bit more simpler can rewire everything. Speaking of which, you just you, we just did a hive mind. <laughs> you let me you led me perfectly right into the next scenario, which <laughs> I we see so frequently. What about the women that are eating healthy, but they're not eating enough? Like they're holding on to some weight, some thyroid adrenal weight, and so they're not eating enough. They're not eating enough during the day. They're eating healthy. Yeah. They're eating that, that not- beautiful paradigm but they're yeah. not eating enough. What they're does that do to, to the adrenals? Birds, right? yeah, so yep, yep, not, yep, exactly. What does that not, do to the adrenals? Yeah, not eating enough and over-exercising both have a similar impact on the adrenals. They tell your brain that something's not right. And your brain requires, first of all, a certain amount of energy to function. And so when your brain is not getting that energy, it really does send out a red alert or as um, – uh, Pedram Shojai said it to me. He puts, it puts your brain into um, DEFCON 3, right, Aviva? And I was like, that's exactly right. Go, you go into DEFCON 3, and your brain then tells your adrenals to start pumping out cortisol. One of the things that cortisol does it, is it causes you to pack on weight. Another thing that happens when you're not getting enough energy or when you're burning too much energy or you're over-exercising is that one of the sort of dangers that we're primitively hardwired to be very responsive to is famine. So when we're not getting enough nutrition, we're not getting enough calories, the brain actually says, okay, well, maybe it's a famine. We better turn down metabolism because there might not be enough energy coming in the near future, and we better store everything that she is getting in case there's not enough energy in the future. 
And the way that your body does that is, it, again, you produce more cortisol. Cortisol then tells your thyroid gland, hey, we might have an energy problem. Your thyroid gland is like your body's thermostat. And what do we do in an energy crisis? We turn down the thermostat. So we're keeping it at 66 or 67 instead of 72. And so your body turns down its metabolism. That's one of the ways that you start to pack on weight because your body is actually trying to protect you from a danger that it perceives. So one of the things that I always do in my practice and I talk a lot about in the book is maintaining healthy blood sugar. We have to maintain enough steady blood sugar and enough calories. And I'm seeing so many people doing intermittent fasting, uh, ketotic diets, skipping meals, um, low, low carb. And, you know, that may work for a very short period of time, like a few weeks to help expunge inflammation. But overall, and especially for women, it, it does tend to backfire, actually. And we, you know, I, I see it all the time. I see women who come into my practice and they say, look, I've seen three or four doctors. I've shown my doctors what I'm eating. And when you look at their food journal, they're barely eating anything, right? They're having like, you know, a smoothie for breakfast, a salad with maybe a little bit of salmon or some sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds for lunch, and maybe some greens and a piece of salmon or chicken for dinner, or, they're, you know, or a vegetarian version of that, but they're really not eating much. And they tell me that doctor after doctor after doctor or nutritionist after nutritionist basically kind of sort of accuse them of lying and saying, well, you're probably eating more than you're admitting or you're aware of, but that's actually not the case. They're, they're not getting enough energy for their body to feel safe burning energy. And so they're really, I, I see this all the time, they're not lying about their diet. They're just not getting enough fat and enough calories for the body to actually burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, there's so many people that I've, it's terrible, but I'm sitting so here many thinking people. of all these people <laughs> who, who this applies to. I'm thinking, oh, I should just send this show right over to them, but that doesn't it's sound so very nice. So. <laughs> Um, really quick, really quick. We have another caller. Um, this is special to your show. So I want to, I want to tap this person in really quick. Hello. Hello, Dana. It's Stacy Robbins. Hi, Stacy. You're on with Dr. Aviva Rahman. Hello, Aviva. Hello, beautiful. Congratulations on your new book and everything amazing that you're doing and the in the adrenal and thyroid and healing world, you are a rock star. Oh, thank you. And happy anniversary to you guys at Thyroid Nation. Congratulations on this big, this auspicious occasion. Yes. Oh, thank you, Stacey. We talk about You're you welcome. all the time, so we're thrilled to have you call in. Um, we refer to your show. It was, it was such a great show. Uh, we had our first flower field moment that has now we've now coined that as our flower for moment. We've had three or four with Aviva already. I just got used to saying it. But it is, it's time to have you back on the show, uh, Stace. We we um we're gonna have you back on the show, but we thank you for all you do for the world and um and thank you for our flower filled moments because we wouldn't have them without you. Yes. Thank you yes, so sure. much. You guys are so beautiful. Thank you for including me. Thank you for sharing my book and my work with the world and for um always making a warm space for me and and uh, allowing others to know that um, that mind-body-spirit connection is so important in the healing game uh, and the uh, internal conversation, how important that is with our thyroid health and our 
inner healing. So thanks for giving that voice a platform. I so appreciate it. And I sprayed my little flower fields moment that you created for me in the car right before I, I uh, came on the call. So you were with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. You're Thanks, welcome. Stacey's- the ultimate uh, adrenal healing, mind-body connection person. I just even your writing is very soothing and calming, mm. and I love it. Yeah. Well, and Thank funny you so much. And we all and we all need to laugh. So I mean, oh, yeah. she's going, Stacey's going through some serious stuff right now, but you know, she even finds a way to make make things funny. And I, you know, I just I laugh at her horribleness sometimes because Absolutely. of the way you write. But, you know, laughing oh my God. is good so I love humor, it. Humor is it. You know, it's so funny. I had three months. I mean, the irony of this book, it's kind of a long story, but the irony of this book on adrenals is that I had to write it start to finish in three months, right? So you guys get the irony there. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so my big, my big sort of, like, way that I would blow off steam at the end of the day would be to turn on this total, like, stand-up comedy and laugh my butt off. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I know. Yeah. I remember when Cheryl Richardson was writing about her book on extreme self-care. She was going through massive turmoil in her home and in her family life, and she wrote about that in the forward, which I so appreciated the honesty that often. Yeah, right. And I remember um, one of my publishers for my um, one of my first books. I it was all about. Um, it was called God Loves Me. I think um, stories from Hell, Heaven, and the Other Side of Texas. <laughs> and it was and. It was all about my journey to finding peace. And I remember that my editor said to me, I said, why am I in such upset? Why is everything so hard right now when I'm writing about a book about peace? He said, because you're not a journalist. You are sharing your story. And he said, and the way for you to be, write authentically from that place is to be in that place again. So it's, he's, he called it the writer's sacrifice, Aviva, which I it's love. True. And I know you can appreciate. And um, and it was just like when you have to walk someone else through their healing, it's like you suspend your state of healing and go back into that hard place so that you can walk them through authentically with compassion in our, in our writing right. and so on and so forth. So There's also this great expression that I, I heard somewhere, which is new level, new devil. Have you ever heard that? It's like <laughs> just, when you, just when you think you know something, the universe is like, okay, well, we're going to see how well you really know that. We're going to keep you a little humble on this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, up in the ante for sure. Yeah, how funny. Well, I'm writing a book right now called An Unconventional Life, and I'm living a very unconventional life. And I said to um, my husband, I said the next book I'm writing is I have a skinny ass and a lot of money in my bank account because I figure I'm gonna <laughs> live that. Many. I saw that somebody, I saw a Christmas card. I was out getting a bottle of wine, going to someone's house, and at the store they had a. Um, they had all these cards. It was right around Christmas time, and it said, um, I actually took a picture of it. It's so funny. It was, Dear Santa, can you please read my note correctly this time? This year, I want a fat bank account and a skinny ass, not the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So funny. I'm in. I loved it. I'm in. Well, guys, thank you so much for including me in this moment, celebrating you, Thyroid Nation, celebrating all the work that you've done, Dana and Tiffany, and celebrating you, Aviva, and your new great work in the world. So thanks for including me. I am on a walkthrough for a new place we're moving into, so I'm going to jet. But thank you for letting me share a few moments with you guys. Oh, thank, thank you for stop. calling in, Stacey. Thank you. Flowerfield <laughs> moments. We love you. Happy moving. <laughs> love you, too. Bye, Bye. guys. Happy, happy day. Bye. <laughs>
Oh my goodness. She's <sighs> she's going through so much right now. Isn't oh my she? goodness. You get to be in the presence of the most incredible women in our work though. It's like oh. the women who are who are real, who have been through it, who are living it, who are creating, you know, whole new ways of working and being so powerful. It is. And moving I reached mountains. Out. We are moving exactly. mountains. Exactly. I, mean, I wanted to say to Mary, I was so impressed with the article that was in the Wall Street Journal maybe about a year ago. Did you guys? I don't remember. I don't think you guys were quoted in it, but Mary was. And it was about how doctors need to sit up and listen to women more. It was so powerful. I was like, wow. I mean, these are women who are what I call citizen scientists, right? And I was before I was a physician. I was a home birth midwife, and I was a citizen scientist having to figure out the information for ourselves that we weren't getting from the medical model. You know, Dana and I were, were you know, PMing during it uh, with Mary and, and you, and we were saying just, you know, how awesome is this? The ultimate patient advocate. I mean, Mary is a powerhouse. She is just, yeah. you know, she is just a woman to reckon with. I mean, she's amazing. We've watched her for so long, and and having her talking to literally one of our favorite, like I model the perfect physician after you. Oh, right. Person, are they really are they really interested? I mean, do they still learn? I mean, what I love the most about you is that you and you said it a couple times. Reading yep. the journals still need to be on top of it, constantly learning. Right? How many physicians believe they're done? I'm done learning. I have all the answers, and so they can't hear their patients. And you're completely opposite. You're like, tell me what's going on. What's working? What's not? What's you know? I mean, so here we had Mary talking with. Viva Ram, it, it was just the ultimate moment for, for Dana and I on Thyroid Nation. Ultimate flower field moment. I truly. moments where I was like, wait, Mary knows who I am? I'm like, really? <laughs> I love that. It's like, oh. Yeah, I mean, it right? was awesome. And to, to both be so incredibly love human it. in the moment, you know, just we had a, we had a question. Um, let me see if I can go back and find it. But we had a question on – the posting of the show from Alana, and I cannot say her last name, but she said uh, she's Cavalia. listening to the show. She loved it. Say it again. Cavalia? Uh-huh. That's a beautiful name. Anyway, uh-huh. she said, I'm also really interested. She's loving listening to you, uh, Aviva. I'm also really interested in the connection between overachievers and Hashimoto's. I've noticed that so many Hashi sufferers are also overachievers. Yeah, and, you know, I think um, I, I would be the last one to um, encourage women not to be what we call overachievers. I mean, there's a power in having really high standards and wanting to achieve a lot and kick butt in the world, and there's a lot that needs to be done in the world, and I think women are uniquely capable of making transformation in the world. So I would suggest, you know, yes, one, there's a connection, and I talk about that in the book. In fact, I have, like, another... 80 pages in the book as a publisher set. I mean, talking about overachieving, I had to um, send in a 70,000-word manuscript, and I sent in a 130,000-word manuscript just to give you... Oh, my. But there was a lot to say. But what ended up coming out was some of the stuff on overachieving, which is why I did that um, 10-day adrenal reset, and I've got a journal that, um, you know, that people can get too. But the point being that how do we go from having drive which is our internal inspiration and motivation 
to being driven. And when I'm talking about being driven, I'm talking about external factors or external factors that we have internalized. So external factors mm. may be things like, you know what, I, all my friends have a BMW, so I shouldn't be driving this RAV4. Or, um, you know, I have a certain job, so I have to get Jimmy Choo's. I can't wear my, you know, Clarks or whatever. I'm just making all this stuff. Um, you know, so there's these things that we perceive as external that we succumb to. And then there's the voices of our mothers and our fathers or whoever it was in our life that always made us feel like we weren't enough or needed to be enough. Or like Marnie um, or, you know, like my story, real-life factors that led to what at once were survival patterns that really were helpful, but that at some point become maladaptive. They're driving us, but they don't need to anymore. So what I find is, you know, how can we be really honest with ourselves and know where, and I think for most of us we actually feel it physically or we have mental symptoms. We get anxious or depressed or overwhelmed or, you know, we're using words like I'm overwhelmed or I can't take it anymore. Or we get physical symptoms. We get digestive problems or headaches or, um, and you know, we get sick more often or you get that herpes outbreak or that yeast infection or the urinary tract infection. Whatever it is that your body does when you've gone from healthy stress into distress. And so it's a matter of learning to really deeply start to be in our truth and be comfortable with that and knowing, yes, I, I want to be the head of my field or the head of my corporation or I want to make X, Y, Z dollars a year because that's what I want to do. And then how can you do that without it being driven by those hungry ghosts? And that's the difference. It's, it's healthy stress versus distress. And learning to listen to when you cross over, before you cross over. In the book, I call it the U zone. But uh, before you cross over into distress, to learn to recognize when you're allowed to say no and what your patterns are. You know, I talk in the book about the good girl pattern, the fear of missing out pattern, or the perfectionist pattern, which is kind of that overachiever pattern. And not getting rid of the pattern completely, but finding the gift in it and then getting rid of the part that's harming you and the reasons that you're letting that part harm you. Um, that, that's where I'm at with it. And, and definitely, I mean, I think that women who take on too much are often the women who pay for it with health. So I'm not saying we shouldn't take on a lot, but a lot <clears throat> is different than too much. Even the word, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the word overachiever, and that word in and of itself is very negative verbiage. Right. You know, I mean, I never really thought about that until I was listening to you and looking at the word at the same time. It was like, wow, that's really, that's very negative self-talk. It is. And, you know, I, for a long time, especially when I was in the more kind of like hippie crunchy world as a hippie homer, herbal midwife, um, (laughs) I found that there were actually a lot of women who, were very critical of, for example, my desire to become a medical doctor. And I have felt many times in my life labeled as an overachiever and internalized that as a negative thing. And, you know, I think as women, being a high achiever is a really powerful thing. I mean, if you're, even if you're a stay-at-home mom and you like doing things at home, like cooking your family's food or 
making your kids clothes or whatever it is, you know, whatever, however that appears for you, doing things with excellence is beautiful and powerful and being really good at what we do and having high aspirations and big dreams um, is really profound. And I think that having big dreams is beautiful, but just understanding where those dreams come from and making sure that they're your own inner desire, not something that you're doing because of some hungry ghost that is sort of chasing you. Hmm. I just love I just love the things that you point out. The, I, the hungry ghost has stuck with me since our very the very first show with you. <laughs> yeah. The hungry ghosts that are chasing us, you know, these, these manufactured. Yeah, just very interesting. And I'm, you know, I, I just want to keep you on the phone. So I just, I just want to start talking about anything just to keep you on the phone. But uh, we will let you, we will let you go. But um, I wanted to we mention that. We can do it that, again. Yes, we can. Yes. And we keep doing it every like six months. We'll just be happy. Yeah. Um, but she, um, Dr. Aviva Ram has some really cool prizes that she's going to offer to our listeners today. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask her to send me an email, um, with some numbers, just some random numbers. And I'm going to go through all the different groups of people who've posted comments and count down the number, you know, what number you are on the comment list. And, and if you match up, I'm going to get your address and, and send you these awesome things that she's, uh, she's offered today. I know she's going to send a signed copy of her amazing new book, thyroid, uh, the adrenal thyroid revolution. And I think my husband put it wrong on the meme. Whoopsie. Um, and <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, of course, you know, my husband, he's, he's going to shoot me cause I, I proofed it too. So anyway, um, and then I think there's a copy of your replenished journal and, uh, your replenished kitchen cookbook, which is really cool. So I will, for everybody who's uh, listening live, if you'll if you'll comment on the different places that I posted this, I will get you your free copy and I will let you know who the winners are. Awesome, awesome. Do I get to enter? No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I have your book. I, you I already have in the person. book. You guys are so. Uh, the cute. goal is to meet you in person and to get to get my copy signed because I'm I'm super excited. <laughs> Let's do yep. it. Let's figure out how to make that happen. There's <laughs> going to be a conference or someplace we're all going to be. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank your husband. He was fantastic in messaging with me back and forth. And uh, thank you for all that you do. We just really, really love you. Well, and taking and you the time to be with us. Happy Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> we need to do, okay, so I would love to do uh, a midwifing Prepare your body with with thyroid uh, issues and adrenal issues before you get pregnant. That's the show. I'm that's like a dream oh, show for me. Oh, totally do that. Yeah, because that's a huge thing having you know four kids through the Hashimoto's, and I just think that is such an important. It's just such an important facet of of uh, Hashimoto's, and autoimmunity, and even even adrenal fatigue. Right. I mean, sometimes. We do the the body does sneak in and allow you to get pregnant and and the goal is to be healthy before that ever happens. So that's Absolutely. my dream show. And there are some really specific my dream show. issues around <laughs> thyroid that are so worth talking about for pregnant women and new mamas that really can have an impact. So let's definitely do that. We would I yeah. would love that. I would absolutely love that. Thank you so much for everything you do and for being you, you and for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you. We love you. Thank you so much. Oh, I love you too. <laughs> Bye, guys.
Have a fun day with your grandkids. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Ah, she's my favorite. She you say is. that every time. I do. I just, I there, I feel so incredibly blessed to have been able to interview these physicians to give us the opportunity of what's available. Do you know what I'm saying? Like these, know. you know, I think there's so many patients that are so disheartened that that just believe with these doctors that are, you know, no bedside manner and just not willing to understand the fact that we don't need an antidepressant. We need to heal and they need to help. So when you talk with doctors like Aviva, it makes you realize they're there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they're out there. There are physicians who will actually care about the fact that you don't feel well and not be willing to just dole you out some medications that at times – can make it worse. So I and do. I you, absolutely love her. I do. Can't you just see her as one of those doctors um, a long time ago that made house calls, the kind that you want totally. to come to your house, the kind that totally absolutely. cares about you, sits on the side of your bed and looks in your Knows eyes. the and names really, of your kids. Yeah, yep, and yep, cares yep, yep. about you. That's who she was in her former life. She was one of those, one of those doctors who went around and took care of people. Really. She feels I'll that way. That. Just, just talking to her, you know. She's just a she's just a real person, and and I really think that that's the way, the model of a physician was originally intended, and you know it's just they've gotten so far away from it, it's become so disjointed conventional medicine that, you know they've lost a lot of their power. It's very sad. Uh, I'm ho- hoping that it will turn around in the future, and that and that doctors like Aviva will model the physician of the future. Oh, that's yeah. my. That's what oh, it came he- about. Talk about a nerd. Heading that man. way. <laughs> <laughs> you got Aviva doing her nerdy things, and 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 Dr. Brogan on Saturdays diving into oh PubMed, my gosh. And, and Tiffany <laughs> dreaming of the doctors of the future. Are they handsome and, the and well built? <laughs> it's a powerful position. I mean, it, the intention of a physician to help someone be able to heal. Uh, is is a very powerful position when it's done properly. I mean, we, you can hear that in her voice and in her books and in her work and in her blogging, and you can hear that. So she she is my my model doctor. She is my model physician. The education. She also understands the the natural things, the preventative when things don't necessarily need to be used, and you can use something herbally a little bit more naturally, less you know, invasive on the body, more gentle. I mean, that, that to me is, that's the, the ultimate physician. She is my yeah. favorite. We've had, we've had several of those um, doctors. We're, we're really lucky to we get have. to talk to them. You know, we have. I mean, of course, she's, of course, up there. I, absolutely. I'm just saying, you know, looking back at our two-year anniversary so, show, so thinking about all the wonderful guests we've had, there's several doctors I want to clone. And we'll just, oh, sure. We'll Dr. Just, Holter. We'll just give them like really nice. It. Cars and we'll just put them in the car and send them around. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Dr. there's Brighton. so many. Jill Carnahan. By the way, I wanted, we wanted to mention that name for Mary Showman for reversing type one diabetes. Uh, Jill yes. Carnahan, who is an MD, she actually did that. She mentioned that on our Thyroid Nation radio show. So another doc, you know, uh, Dr. Brighton, Dr. Holtorf. Oh my gosh, there's there's like so many. Dr. Susser. You know, oh, he, he was is, so good. He, and Dr. Yeah. Hotsey. Oh, he was fantastic. Dr. Hotsey. 
We, I mean, I can't even think of them all. Dr. Oh, Robinson, Dr. Alan Dr. Red. Oh, my gosh, we could go on for days. <laughs> Dr. Alan Christensen just cracks me up, and him and his wife together. I mean, they're probably like their own comedy act. I mean, she is the most beautiful, hilarious woman I've ever seen. She has the most the most hilarious posts. Her name's Kieran Christensen, and he's he's just funny. I mean, I watched him. You know, he I was watching funny. Our Secret, and when he was on our show, he was funny. <laughs> and so he I giggled. can just see the both of them. Yeah, he does. He giggles. <laughs> he giggles like we do. Could he's you so imagine? Great. He is. If we had him back, we would probably do nothing but laugh. Shame. I on know. Us. I know. <laughs> well, that's a huge portion for you and I in therapy. Is laughter. It is. I think, it is. I think laughter is a critical component in in being well and and being able to chill and just uh, take a load off. I mean, for me, when I'm laughing, you know that gut laugh where you just it's almost like nothing but air comes out. My kids do that all the time to me. I swear, but it's like it is the most. It releases all kinds of endorphins. It has to because I feel <laughs> totally different. You know, after you have that laugh, that like belly oh, laugh, I know. Awesome. Me and my daughter, um, we are so silly, and me and my daughter, we we laugh all the time, and like we'll be in the grocery store, we do it in the most inappropriate places, and we can't help it. And we're like walking through, we were walking through Target the other day, and we were just being silly, and it something Don't she you did. Love that? Oh my god! And we were laughing, and then we walk up, and there's Travis, and he's looking at us. He's like, I could hear you guys, like over the whole oh. store, like oh. I love it. Uh, I love it. Well, of course, you can find all things amazing, Dr. Aviva Ram, at uh, com. She has a fabulous blog and, of course, this amazing, amazing book, which I'm right in the middle of, so I'm super excited. I'm, I'm waiting to get to the recipe part because she includes that in there as well. But just what a great... What a great show. And that exchange between Stacy and Dr. Rom and, and Mary and Dr. Rom, what a, what a treat. I Honestly, know. what a treat. I know. And oh. I want to take a minute to thank you for mm. everything that you do for Thyroid Nation Radio and all the time that you put in getting all these people to come on and chat with us. You are a priceless powerhouse of a woman, and I am just truly honored to be a part of this with you. So I want to thank you today. Well, thank you, honey. That's so sweet. I mean, it, feels, it feels right. It feels natural and it just feels good. And, you know, doing every, doing this makes me happy. So, you know, I I love you. I love all the people we talk to. I feel like I know all of them. I love Isabella. I love Mary. I mean, Mary's, you know, we, we chat all the time. Stacy. I mean, I just feel so blessed. You know, um, I just recently, journey. I just recently connected with a fabulous woman who you guys will get to meet. Her name is Alana Cavalia. She is the one that asked the question. That oh, Dr. Awesome. Rom, that's her. That's oh, her. Cool. I know. Um, she is talk about powerhouse. She's you know a force to be reckoned with, and we will be doing some yoga thyroid uh, things in the future. And you know, just the people that I might that are put in front of my path. Um, because of all this that I'm going through, I just feel really, really blessed. So thank you too. And I love you. And I love our, I love our skincare and, and thyroid line. I think it's fantastic. It smelled for you. Healthy Everything was well thought out and uh, we aren't adding any kind of extra chemicals or things that you don't need. Uh, that you don't realize you're getting on a daily basis. All of this is 
stuff you can take every single day and not worry about it. We will elaborate that with that um, topic and some blog posts coming up because we really want to get our message out and why we created Thyroid Nation Essentials. But we did that with Tiffany because she's the guru, the essential (laughs) oils guru. She hates when I say that, but she really is. So. So I feel very, 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 very lucky, and I'm very, very blessed. So thank you, thank you. And thank you to our listeners, because that's who we do this for. We get on this show every week and talk to amazing people, and we love it. But really, we do this for you, because we want to let everyone know. I mean, had I known, of course, all of the stuff or had a show that I could listen to specifically, I would be in a much different place right now, So uh, as far as my health goes. I wouldn't have maybe well, met all I remember. Of these cool people. Yeah. I remember the inception of the show, you wanted it to be two patients, two real lives, two patients who are not professionals that really just chatted and as patients, you know, were to talk to these amazing people and get information on how to heal and be better. So you wanted it to be very real. You didn't want it to be stale. You didn't want it to be clinical. That was so important to you. It, when it you still is very important of to me. It is very important to you. But we want to remind everybody we're just two patients on this same road with you and uh, trying to help everybody and ourselves live better lives. And there are probably some really wonderful other shows where they just go through and ask the questions and get the answers. And you can absolutely listen to those people. I'm sure Dr. Rom is on many, 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 many podcasts. Um, and you know, they're a little more clinical, answering right. questions. Yeah, they're more clinical and things. That's not our show. That's not what we do. We talk about real things and and as it happens, and real life. So, right. Yeah. So These that's are who we lives. are. That's what we do. And we're going through this with you. So we're definitely not perfect by any stretch. I'm usually I'm in my pajamas or what my husband calls my mumu, my big honking robe, and you oh know my, my God, hair's not picture. brushed. And stuff, but no, I brushed my hair today, and I put a little cute little outfit on, and and all of that, and still I had you know computer issues. So you know you'd think after two years I would have this specifically, you know, nope. all aligned and everything, but you know things happen. I mean it was okay when I was in Costa Rica because I could blame it on Costa Rica, but now I'm in the states, so there's really really no good excuse. You know Basically, what, baby? I'm just a thyroid patient like you guys. Two two years ago we weren't perfect, and. Two no. years from then, we're still not perfect, no. and I love being imperfect. Me too. I love the Especially fact that that's life, you. and that's then we just we just deal with it, right? That's what we have we to do, do in life. Deal that is with what we have to do in life. So live by our example. <laughs> you probably already oh are. <laughs> <laughs> well, be sure to check. Take a peek at Thyroid Nation Essentials. Dan and I are terrible salespeople. But right. we use them every day. People who are using them are loving them. We created them with love and light and, and just synthetic free with thyroid patients in mind with the choices of essential oils and, and natural, organic, wild-crafted oils that uh, would be helpful to some of the things that we experience. So uh, be sure to, to check them out at Thyroid Nation, Thyroid Nation Essentials. And we don't have the little labels on our on our products that say vegan and paleo and GMO and free cruelty-free. and right, cruelty free right, right, right. and all those things because that all but they are more expensive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, to me that so, should just be a baseline standard. You know? Yes, exactly. Standard. Right. So that's our standard. We're already there, baby. 
And Brain Awake is one of our breast-selling products. Breast-selling products. Our, our breast-selling okay. products. I got boobs on the mind. Uh, best-selling <laughs> products. And we also have, which works really well for fatigue, memory, concentration. It helps us out on those brain fog days, which hopefully we don't have. But we do. I do. Uh, and we also created a brain chill, some, some amazing potential for essential oils to help with anxiety. Uh, while you're figuring things out, it's not a one and you're done. You don't want nope. to be dependent on aromatherapy inhalers for the rest of your life, but this is helpful oh. in the meantime while you're getting everything uh, situated and figured out. So Brain Chill will be coming out here pretty soon. Dana's got some samples, and she's she's sniffing away. And uh, we have some wonderful labels. Yep. And those will be away. out soon. I've That's got them right here. The, the sister sister product sister to Brain product. Chill. And you know Brain what? Away. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I have a product that I love. It is my product. It is called Roses Are Red. I named it, and I use it every day. And and I asked Tiffany the day, I was like, you know, I use this every day, and I know you made this special for me, but I'd really like to sell it on Thyroid Nation Essentials because I have it sitting here on my desk and all these pretty labels, Thyroid Nation Essentials, and then just this, you know, Roses Are Red written on, on the bottle. So, That's my love in a bottle to you. That's know, a, an know, organic Bulgarian steam distilled rose essential oil. Uh, infused in lavender, and and uh, that's my love to you. When you squirt that, you need to just think of me loving you. I know. And now look at how many people you're going to be loving because we're going to include it in the line. You're going to there's going to be love everywhere. <laughs> Roses are red. It's a just a pure rose oil. I was reading an article on rose oil this morning and its ability to heal in and of itself. It's 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 pretty powerful. Yeah. So yeah, and we, we have do that. We have it diluted yeah, down yeah. to where it's very, very, very safe. I mean, there's no, there's no extra drops in there because if you think about it, Tiffany and I were talking. You know, when you walk up, we were created to walk up and smell a rose, and you can't stand there for 20 minutes. You stand there for however long your breath is, and maybe you go back in for one more breath. But to right. make essential oil, rose uh, essential oil takes how many roses? I oh my don't even God, know. Like ten, ten thousand tons. To, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, one ounce, I think it is. So yeah. all of that is like in this little drop. So we're not meant to have a whole lot. So that's why we created these blends. You know, none of them are specific. We have these blends that are all, or they are specific for your different things, you know, your face and your body and whatever, because we're all thyroid patients and you can't help but get away from chemicals every day. I mean, there's just no way. You can't, you can't, can't. escape them. <clears throat> so these will, these will benefit and these will be helpful and natural. So. Well, and I want to remind people, too, to be to be cautious and to be aware. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking a product maker, particularly that uses essential oils, what percentage they actually use in there uh, because there are sustainability issues with essential oils. And for me personally, as a formulator, I believe that we get out of the plants what we put in. And what I mean by that is if we have respect for their yield, and respect for what they are and what they do, they allow us the healing that we're asking for. But if we abuse them and we don't care about their sustainability issues or their safety requirements or even their natural laws, uh, we, can, we can be harmed from them. And so with, when, when we created Thyroid Nation Essentials, it was imperative to me that we followed all of the safety regulations that were current uh, because essential oil laws and rules are changing all the time. I don't mean, you know, anything technical. What I mean is, is that the the research 
that's being done on essential oils right now is amazing. I mean, there were studies that came out on PubMed for lowering high blood pressure by inhalation of certain essential oils. We are learning every day. It's no different than a physician. But that was sandalwood, right? What's that? Was it sandalwood? No, that was... um, What was that uh, story? I forgot. Bergamot. So the sandalwood was about... um, Oh, my goodness. It's antibacterial. Well, there were a couple of sandalwoods. I can't remember which one we talked about, but uh, it's antibacterial properties. About it eventually raising blood pressure because they they used it too long. Oh, right. No, thank you. Okay, so perfect example. Uh, Recently, Robert Tisserand, who is literally the guru of safety of essential oils, uh, reported a uh, study that was done on inhaling sandalwood for longer than 20 minutes actually raised blood pressure. So that was somewhat shocking to the community because, of course, sandalwood is very well known for its ability to lower blood pressure and stress. And But by inhaling it, they uh, and there were some con- concerns, uh, particularly for me and a couple people that mentioned about they used a mask, almost like a sleep apnea mask, uh, for a continual inhalation for 20 minutes, Okay. And so it it ended up having the opposite effect. But we have understood that inhaling for longer than 30 minutes is a a general rule. Safety guidelines are diffusing or inhaling no longer than 30 minutes at a time because the body can go from being relieved and benefited from inhaling to all of a sudden being stressed by the continual scent, right? If we look at the natural laws of plants, that makes perfect sense. I mean, we need to listen, you know. We need to go back to the plant itself and and find out what it was all about rather than just looking at a little bottle and listening to people and what they say about it. But, um, you know, diffusing shouldn't be done for longer than 30 minutes at a time with 30-minute breaks in between to give the body the ability to rest and reset. So... You know, I just think that all of this is very important. And when we see essential oil products out there, we know nothing about the people who make them. We know nothing about their intention in the product, um, which to me, as a formulator, is is very important. We we should have talked about that with Aviva, being an herbalist. Yes, we should have. Sure she, oh, for sure. Oh, yes, definitely. That's a whole nother you know, show. I mean, I mean I've ta- it's a whole nother show. I've talked to people who are ingesting multiple essential oils a day, oftentimes ones that interfere with their medications. And, you know, we've, we've just, we've gone cuckoo. We've gone cuckoo on essential oils. And well, there are... The safety guidelines are out there, but they're not necessarily guidelines. adhered to. They're not That's adhered right. to or thought about because you think that essential oils are just so natural and good for you. Okay, so this is like, you know, this more is, is how more. we live. More is more it's is more not, and more is, is better. More. Right. Less so just think, um, I think, let's see, what is this? Thank you, Alana. 40 pounds of roses for one ounce of oil. 40 pounds of roses for one ounce of oil. So one drop, can you imagine the concentration that's in one drop? I mean, were, you really, uh, were we really meant and made to smell that much, that long, and some, you know, in this concentrated force? I don't, I don't believe we were. Right. So no. essential oils no. are wonderful and beneficial and supportive, but... We need to be a lot smarter than we are. <sighs> See, there's just rules there. Right. I there's think it's rules. important. <laughs> right, exactly. Right? So, 
I, so, or however many, however many pounds or bushels or whatever it is for a rose, it, you know, rose essential oil. Point, it doesn't matter. The point if, of it is, is that the potency is so much yeah. greater. Right. That's that's very important to understand. Is you know, you could have literally all of the essential oil off of ten plants in one drop, in certain circumstances. Right. So. And it doesn't apply. Some are heavier yielders than others. So you're, you know, but the point of it is, is you have a large concentration this isn't the same thing putting one drop of of basil in a stew is not the same thing as a handful of basil leaves that's, that's right really important to understand right that is that's oh and that's so well, you said that so well and we're just really <laughs> passionate about it so we are not anti-essential oils at all in fact we are pro no. essential oils but we just want everybody to use them responsibly so we will be discussing that with Thyroid Nation Essentials a little bit more, but it's our show, so we got to do it today. Yay! <laughs> it was a quick quick tidbit in there. It's a little quick tidbit. So, again, guys, thank you. This show is for you. Thank you to our special callers. Thank you to a Dr. Aviva Rahm. You made this day really special for us. We really appreciate you joining us on this journey. Don't forget to follow Thyroid Nation at thyroidnation.com and, of course, on all of the essential oil, I mean, excuse me, essential oil, on all the social media platforms, <laughs> on the brain. I'm going to shove one of these things up my nose here in a minute. Um, oh, my goodness. And uh, and join us in the Hashis and um, Graves Facebook group on Facebook because we uh, we let you know who the, the upcoming guests are. So And, you know, you can ask questions and there's lots of support. So join us there, too. Absolutely. And of course, we repeat this every show, but it is of paramount importance, as you could hear, even just talking about essential oils, applies with this uh, essential oils as, as well as anything that you do, herbal formulas, what have you. We always want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. Please make sure to always listen to that dynamic system of yours that is unique to you. And be mindful of what it is telling you all the time, whether you need to stop and reset, whether an essential oil isn't working for you, whether an herb is working for you, whether an essential oil is working for you. Whatever it is, that voice is unique to you, and it's much smarter than we often give it credit for. So please be mindful of what, it, what it's telling you. And just, you know, just a side note, you know, just because I like bananas, doesn't mean that I'm not allergic to them, right? I mean, everybody's different. Or everybody can different. eat 10 a day. <laughs> and that I could eat 10 a day. So, you know, my body my body says, you know, you're not, this is not good for you. Sometimes I don't listen to it. But it is screaming at me. So um, I need to listen more often. But sometimes I don't care. Okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Against the message, but you know it's one of those days. So no, I'm just teasing. Um, everybody, everybody, you're gets real, it. honey. That's life. Yeah, that's me. That's life. We don't all this do is... everything perfect all the time. You know no. what I mean? No, life is full I'm... of bloopers and learning that's right. lessons. That's right. This is Dana, your thyroid nation, Gringatika from Colorado Springs, <laughs> and Tiffany Milanic. <laughs> bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united we heal. Thanks, guys. Great show. Happy two years. Happy two years. Bye.